We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you as we kick back, relax, and for the first time seemingly all season, still a little bit to lock up, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, we don't have anything to worry about, at least for the moment. Things that are that are uncertainties uh, for the time being, sure. We will get into all that, but say it with me now, Jeremy Cohn. Playoffs. Feels good. Nick's going to the playoffs. And it doesn't feel like two years ago when we were all very excited and it was over a team that was just very much overachieving. Love is blind. We wanted to ignore the blind spots. Now we can talk about blind spots, but we're not going to do that right this moment because we're going to talk about what's going well. What's going well, John? It was the New York Knicks. Thrilled. The New York Knicks are going well. Um, they're going very well. And they have... Not well, no, they have lost since the last time we spoke because you weren't on here last week. That's correct. So sure, what was the last? Oh my god, I should remember when the hell's the last time they lost. Um, they but well, they lost more than a week ago. It was um, the magic game that was the last oh my god, time they lost. Yeah, it was almost two weeks ago as of this recording. Yeah, that's right. No, that that magic game was a while ago. Um, but yeah, in the last week, um, they you know, it seems like yesterday that we were kind of, or I know I was, you, you have more confidence than me. Take a bow. Like all season long, you've had like, I've been the one who's the, I'm supposed to be the older, wiser one. And you're the, you're the sage, you know, like, don't worry, everything's fine. But they've even gone ahead of my expectations, right? It's more just, Hey, you know, I believe in this team and this current iteration. They got it. And the nights they don't have it, they're very likely to come back and do it. Right. Like had an O in three week four and O week. It's they can rebound from a lot of different things. So they've got some backbone. It's important. Hopefully it transpires and continues into the playoffs where there will be some players who, and obviously we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, players who don't have playoff experience where it's going to be a completely different animal for them. And the others who say what you want about 2021, who do have that experience, right? Like Emmanuel quickly has playoff experience. RJ Barrett, playoff experience. Julius Randall. I mean, 
it couldn't have had an uglier postseason unless you were Trey Young last year. So it's just kind of like now he's learned. Assuming he's healthy and able to play, then hopefully he can read the defense better. Has I was about to say, time. what's things. worse, no playoff experience or that sort of playoff experience? I don't know. It has to be no playoff experience. Yeah. Okay. Just in the sense of, all right, we've done this before. We can learn from yeah. our mistakes and move forward versus like, it's a different energy, different atmosphere. The calls are different. Everything changes and you just need to be equipped to doing that. So I'm happy he went through the issues he did. Assuming again, he's healthy enough to play. I'm going to suggest that Julius Randle, who toughs things out as much as he can, I'm going to say he plays. I've, I'm acting on absolutely zero knowledge. I was right? about to say feeling. But it's for the guy where it uh, seemed like he's walking around generally okay. They haven't talked about the severity of it, but it'll be reevaluated two weeks from the injury. Playoffs are probably April 13th, maybe April 14th for the Knicks. There's time. And yeah. he heals quickly, usually. Uh, no, I was thinking to an old sign. Well, they're all old. A Seinfeld episode, I should just say, a Seinfeld episode where Elaine dates a guy who ha- she finds out as she's dating him has a reputation for being a bad breaker upper. And uh, it's like, on one hand, the person shows that they could maintain a relationship, which is a good thing. But you also have that thing hanging out there, which is like Julius has this thing hanging out there, his performance against the Hawks. She ended up uh, stabbing him in the head with a fork, I believe. Um, so let's hope the end result of uh, this playoff run, uh, you know, with or without Julius is is better. So, yeah, the last four games uh, started with the Rockets, um, a game that was probably a little dicier than it needed to be for a bit. But Knicks ended up blowing out Houston by 22 points. So that's what I was thinking of when I got into that, that thought, um, strain of thought, because like, before that Rockets game, I know I was looking at the schedule and being like, oh my God, how many wins could we, are we definitely going to get? Like, what if we lose the Heat game? And then if we lose the Cavs game? And then the, what if the Wizards are still fighting? So sure enough, they kick the crap out of the Rockets, do what they have to do against Miami in what was a, uh, and actually we should group them together, the Heat game and the Cavs game, because both games, super competitive, um, you know, for for the entirety of, of the game. And then both fourth quarters just kind of, the Knicks emerged as the as the more dominant team, and we didn't have to really have a nail biter down the stretch of either of those. And then they topped that off with a, a game against the Wizards that was, um, I, I mean, as, as ho hum a victory as you could have in the NBA today. It's like you, you fall down early, and it's pretty clear, like okay, the Knicks are like playing at point seven two speed today. They ratchet it up. They go up by 20 and then um, they allow some garbage time points at the end. But like, I mean, literally, I, I I could not fathom sitting here talking about a better week with the obvious caveat of what you just mentioned a minute ago, which is the Julius Randle injury, which we'll, you know, maybe we'll talk about more in a bit. It's a great week. Phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's just the Cavs game, obviously... Cleveland's missing some of their best players. So oh, the come on. Wait, 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 wait. We're going too far Listen. ahead. All right. All right. No, 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 what? no. Let's talk about it now. Sure. So they, they had, they had Donovan Mitchell. Yes. They had Darius Garland. They had Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. I think if you, if you ask most people, most uh, impartial observers, name the three, name the Cavs three most important players. It would be them. I think it would be them. So like, that's, that's a representative win. Yes. Man, 
We're going to send you to the chase down pod. You should, I, you know, I, well, pod listen, for them. All I'm saying, if from the Cavs perspective, right, they would most likely agree with you. And Jared Allen is a very close fourth. Yes, probably. That's that's how I would imagine they view it. I, I agree with you. It's more that Cavs fans, you know, fandom is fandom. They would say, well, the Knicks uh, got away with it because Okoro is a phenomenal defender against guards and yeah. you would match him up with Brunson and you shut down Brunson and suddenly the whole offense for the Knicks is working. Okay. Well, you live with it, right? The Knicks are also missing their all NBA player. And we have conversations about the Knicks with Julius Randle, Knicks without Julius Randle. Oh, I'd still like the Knicks all NBA player to be on the court. I wish there were a way to get Obi Toppin more minutes than he would have when Randall's healthy, but Julius Randall's an all NBA player. And I loved the fact that, I mean, yes, the defense clearly struggled, but the Cavs offense is also just that good. They're a great team. They've got one of the best net ratings. Is it the best net rating? If it's not, the, the second the Cavs, uh, I believe they're second in net rating. And uh, mm-hmm. even after the Knicks put up 130 on them, I'm pretty sure the Cavs still has the Cavs still have the best defense in uh, the sport. But yeah, yes. net rating, they are uh, second to Boston. They trail them by 1.1 points per 100 possession, but they also lead Philly by 1.1 points per 100 possession. So they are like securely number two in the league. They're a very good team. Yes. And, you know, we can talk about the Knicks and the Hawks and the Knicks record. I believe it was three and one, correct? Regular season matchup against Atlanta that season. Same as the Cavs this year. Yeah. Right. And we could talk about how, okay, well, the Cavs, they won one. Well, they won that game at home. And the same thing that Cavs fans might say about a Coro, Knicks fans can say, okay, well, the Knicks were missing Quentin Grimes, who has been playing some pretty phenomenal defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had not been cohesive yet as a team. Kevin Love decided to come alive. He's not even on the team anymore. So, you can play it however you want. I don't really care. Knicks walked out of Cleveland with a W, a hard-earned one, and it was just one of four that they had the entire week. And, it was and to me, it was the third best win of the season. It was. Behind, oh, uh, would you say differently? Oh my god, it's funny because right before I hopped on with you guys, I was trying to get a little work in on a column I I'm going to run. Um, uh, what is it next week? Trying to rank the top ten. Top ten most like important games of the season. The top ten top ten games that will define the season. I it's definitely gonna be in my top ten. I think there's a good argument that it will be in the top five. I don't know if it's number one for me. Um it might be. It so might my, be up there. my head for number one says it's the heat game. I'm sorry. My head for number one says it's Which the heat Celtic, game? it's the Celtics game. Celtics my heart says it was the Randall Buzzer beater heat game. Okay. And this is a compromise between head and heart, maybe. And the Celtics game is the, yes, the IQ one. Yeah. Um, look, they've road, had a lot. Mind you. All yeah, no. Things, like, just goes to show what a good road team the Knicks are. Yes. And when you, when you do try, and this is part of why I'm doing this exercise, I think when you, when you try to, as we near the end of the regular season, when you try to think about the 10 best wins, you, I mean, five best wins, 10 best wins, whatever, you really do have a lot of candidates. And I think... You know, again, in the coming weeks, we'll talk about how much of a threat this team actually is, and Julius Randle's availability will have a lot to do with that. But say what you want about them; they have as many, I think, as many quality wins, like real, legitimate quality wins, as just about any team in the league. Um, so uh, that's you know a, a testament to them. And they also, by the way, they don't have a; they obviously have had some rough losses. 
They're in every game. Yes. I, I looked at it. Uh, I don't think they have lost a game in the last few weeks by more than 15, but I think they only have three losses all season by more than 15 points. Um, so, which is one of the lowest totals in the league. Of course, the team that has the lowest total is Cleveland. Um, I, they, they're, they're, my God, you want to talk about a metronome? They're in anything. They're in every game. I, Can I write out my, my top five really quickly? Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, after that, I have to go with the Nuggets game, the home win. I mean, the, the road game was great too, but that one. And then I think fifth is the other Cleveland win after the Mavs game where it was just an abysmal affair. And the Knicks beat the Cavs. And I mean, it seems like that saved Tibbs' job. And things just, you know, that was the start of a new era when the Knicks took Cam Reddish out of the rotation December 4th onward. They haven't really looked back. And then they've gotten Josh Hart, Josh Hart to only accelerate that. That game is the most interesting game of me to rank this season because unlike all the other f- what I'm sorry I'm reading Andrew's comments now we're completely blowing up <laughs> look up the spot for future plans oops sorry all right we'll move on from this I will now go ahead and cross this off the list for ideas for the summer thanks guys anytime <laughs> I'll, I'll just say briefly no we can do it again yeah. I'll just say briefly there could be other games the three left exactly there's gonna be other contenders for this um my my I don't know what your excuses. Mine is that I had the a rundown document like over the chat, so I couldn't see anything that he's he's saying. As he now says, sh- shake my head. The, the last thing I'll say about this, and we'll move on. That first Cleveland win, the one that may have saved his job. The reason why I find that so unique and so different to consider, alongside all of these other wins that you're talking about, is in the moment, like that day. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just the people that were like in the super chats or in the in the chat room that day on the post game. But it was very much. It was it was some positivity, like hey, they went out there and they fought for their coach and this. But there was a lot of like, eh, you know, the ship the ship still be sinking, and uh, you know. So, but in retrospect, it looks you're absolutely right. It looks a lot different. And I think there's an argument that it should be even higher than than fifth. Anyway, okay, um, let's move on. Uh, so there's a bunch of storylines that came out of this week. Um, Storylines that I think have been that storylines that are are kind of the the culmination of stuff that has been building up throughout the season. And then some other storylines that I think are more like chapter one of a story that may be ongoing uh, for the next several weeks or uh, perhaps months. Uh, So let's just start. uh, So manual quickly. 40 points versus the Houston Rockets. I guess we're, are we allowed to say this, Andrew? Um, Cause Chris Percy, covering the Knicks game for Fordham university the other night at Madison square garden ran into uh, one Zach Lowe. You may have heard of him friend of the pod ESPN. And apparently Zach said to, to Chris manual quickly locked up six man of the year with that. I don't know if he was referring to, you know, specifically after that rocket game or what, but um, that's Zach's opinion. I don't think there's much disagreement. Do you, Jeremy? Certainly hope not. And I certainly hope for all the Knicks fans who bet on Emmanuel quickly to win six man of the year award that they win it because that would be nice for them too. Like at this, the craziest thing to me is when I see Celtics fans saying, oh yeah, well quickly when he's starting games, it's different, right? Like he, it should be about the man who comes out off the bench and not the player who start. It's, like we're gonna what? Like the whole point of the six man is to have someone who can play Who's more games start. off yep. the bench than yep. they're starting. That is the league rule. 
and can also fill in admirably. You're not skipping a beat. Like, are, are we going to penalize quick because he's essentially a sixth sixth starter? That doesn't seem fair to me at all. I would also argue, and Benji's been on this point all year um, as a justification for why he doesn't think Emmanuel Quickly should start and why he likes Emmanuel Quickly in his current role off the bench, which is that oftentimes when he starts, or at least when he starts alongside Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle especially, his impact is kind of muted. And so I would argue that like some of those starts, like yeah, he puts up more numbers when he starts usually because a lot of those starts have come without one of those guys in there. Um, or without RJ Barrett in there, but like his impact is he comes in the game off the bench and changes the entire complexion of the game. So when he starts, he doesn't get to do that. So there's really arguments that go both ways. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, the storyline that, that started the week. Um, from there, we moved on to Julius Randle, uh, severely spraining his ankle versus the heat. The Knicks, uh, pulled out. Uh, or Tom Thibodeau pulled out a small ball lineup that had played precisely zero minutes before that game. Uh, Josh Hart, see if I remember this, Josh Hart, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and uh, Quentin Grimes, uh, along with, I think it was Hardstein that closed the game. Um, Let's save the Julius part of this discussion for our essay question later, because I think it kind of ties together with that. But just as far as them going small in that game um, when you were watching it or after immediately after the game, were you thinking like this is because I don't know if I was expecting it or, or I thought about it in the moment, but right afterwards, a lot of people were like, this is a revelation. They've uncovered this. They're going to go to it, you know, and now I think we're, I'm thinking more along those lines, but in the moment I was like, okay, cool. He did what he needed to do to win this game because Randall got taken away. And now it's become much more of a, whoa, this could really influence how they go about like trying to win this playoff series against, against the Cavs. Potentially. I mean, the heat are pretty small in general. They're not an oversized team. I mean, Bam is a six foot nine center and you're not going to get a lot of players who are on their team that can really live up to that size. So I like the fact that Tibbs played on the smaller end. I didn't think it was necessarily representative of what could happen, especially if the Knicks are playing the Cavs and they're matching up against two giant players in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. It's not that they can't do it. I just knowing Tibbs, the way it seems like the way he typically works is he's matchup dependent and not, let me save this in my back pocket for something down the line. Uh, Listen, I hope he, I hope the opportunity presents itself. I really do. But if they go small against Mobley and Allen and both are healthy and playing, they're going to get crushed on the glass in a lot of ways. So we'll see. We'll see. I just I thought it might have been just circumstantial. I think if Randall plays, it becomes a lot. If, if Randall's back, it becomes a lot less interesting because we know if Randall's back, presuming he doesn't have like a minutes limited. I and I I struggle to see a scenario where he's back, but he's limited to like twenty or twenty five minutes a game. I think I feel like if he's back, he's back. Um, if he's back, I think it becomes a much less interesting discussion. If he is not back for any portion of that series. I think you could argue that how Tibbs goes about his rotation, um, you could argue it's the most interesting chess matchup of of the playoffs. Um, but we'll you know we'll see. We'll, we got we got time to to go before we talk about that. Um, next storyline, and this obviously came against the Cavaliers. Jalen Brunson scores a career high, um, forty eight points versus the Cavs. Uh, and eight players score in double figures. 
uh, as Andrew's telling me, just do the essay question now. Okay, well, we'll let's finish off the storylines of the week and then we'll go to the Julius thing. Um, I w- as we were watching it, I was like, this is the most impressive performance of shot making that I have seen in a week because a week ago we saw Julius Randle come out and put up 57 on the Wolves and have I forget I figured it out and I have already forgotten it but it was something like a 14 minute stretch where he scored I think 37 points it was that so that's the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a long time um but Brunson I think what made Brunson's performance so impressive to me is that it was very clear from the outset that Donovan Mitchell was like this is my game. And Donovan Mitchell, when he gets in that mindset, there's not a ton of players out there who could go mano a mano on, against him. And we have one of them. Um, so I'll, I'll just ask, like, what what thoughts you had watching the game? And also, was there any part of you who was like, boy, it'd be nice if both of these... I, I already know the answer. Why am I even asking you? I already know the answer before I, I ask you the question. But I'll, I'll finish asking. Any part of you that wished like he was on our team? Well, I'm sorry for Brunt for who? For, no, Donovan Mitchell that oh. was watching this and was like, "Wouldn't it be cool if we had both of these guys?" Of course, of course, it would. and we'll talk oh, more you about did him. Think that well, just in the sense of from a scoring perspective. Again, the we'll talk about this more with the other pod that we're doing. Yeah, my main issue with Donovan Mitchell it was not the talent; it had everything to do with that third pick, that third unprotected pick. It wasn't so much the talent. I had questions about you know how. Two teams with players under 6'2 are going to go long-term. That's something you can also address later. The point being, of course, it's hard not to be like, you've got two incredible scorers on your team. You're able to do something with it. But what I also found myself thinking of, I guess first and foremost, really, was I had flashbacks to last season, the playoff series against the Mavs and the Jazz, where Jalen Brunson just completely took it to a Donovan Mitchell team, gashed them, destroyed them. Just cut him up. And that's what I was thinking about in that game. And that's what I was thinking. You know, there's a good chance the Knicks are playing the Cavs in the postseason. I would like to recreate this and see the uh, trilogy be completed. If this is the sequel, I want to see the trilogy and going from there. But of course, it's it's still Donovan Mitchell. It's just a question of value. Not is he good or not? He's obviously very. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um no, and I was with you at the time, and I think I'm I'm still with the, with you on that now. I think for me, it's in retrospect. At the time, it was more about that third unprotected pick. For me, in retrospect, now it's more about, um, barring, I I don't know. For me, it's more about the fact that like it seems like quickly or Quentin Grimes would have gone out in that deal, which is it's just not something I've, it's just something whether it's rational or right or not right or whatever I'm just really happy that Emmanuel quickly and Quentin Grimes were on the Knicks this year and we can well, well I mean what the last art the last thing that was reported was RJ and quickly and the picks yeah. correct and Fournier is the salary it was it was RJ quickly and then they came back with RJ Grimes and then it got back into discussions over the picks but it seemed like there, it didn't seem like there was a world where it was not going to be one of quickly or Grimes yeah. Plus picks and, and RJ Barrett, obviously. So, yeah. Um, uh, speaking of RJ Barrett, uh, final storyline, Knicks clinched the playoff berth without RJ, without Julius. And uh, and they did it in dominant fashion, which, again, like kind of thinking about how much things change over the course of a year. Again, granted, the Wizards were trotting out. I mean, 
like not a very good team. But before the season, I you know, or maybe not even before the season, like early in the season, you might have looked at, oh, we don't have RJ or Julius in a late season game that we really need. Like, what's that going to look like? And I think going into that Wizards game, I don't know that there was a Nick fan out there that wasn't supremely confident that they were going to not only win, but win going away. And they did. So that was pretty cool. It was, in that sense, it was a very cool way to clinch the playoffs. It was. My biggest question was, are the Knicks going to cover the spread? Because it was 12. And <laughs> was I guess it 12? It was 12. And it was hovering around 12 for the entire game. And I think it was Johnny Davis, maybe, who hit a three at the end or towards the end and uh, wound up where oh. the, the Wizards, if you took, you know, plus 12, cashed. So that was more the question. I felt that it was going to be a win. It was just a matter of by how much. They, so. they scored 15 points in the last two and a half minutes mm-hmm. after the Knicks had held them to like 15 points in the previous, I don't know, quarter plus. It was just, it was, I mean, you know, because the game was over. Oh man, I didn't even realize that. And it was that uh, in the second quarter when the Wizards really started to make that little run. Great. Yeah. I was not nervous. It just was like, all right, another hill uh, another to hill. overcome. <laughs> another way to hill. get out of it. Yeah, there's always a hill, but <laughs> it, was, it was easy enough. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, at Andrew's urging, we're going to do the essay question now. Um, Andrew was, Andrew apparently think, took the. Uh, yes, <laughs> he did. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Um, so as a question here, courtesy of Mr. Claudio, plain and simple, do you think the Knicks can win a best of seven series against the Cavs without Julius Randle? And yes, we will note again, the Cavs were missing both Isaac Okoro and Jared Allen on Friday night. 
Um, let's just start off with answers before we go into like, what is your answer to this question? Do you think they could win without Julius Randle? No, I will say, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think Robert Cross has infected my bloodstream somehow. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Why do you say no? So the reason I say no, I here's the challenge. It's very hard to win a series if you are not an efficient team, right? Like I've gone back and I've looked at it and I think it was like the, like the, the lowest you probably get in with your team's efficiency that season. It's like 16th. 18th. Oh, can I give you something on this? Yes, please. I I went and did, I looked up uh, teams in the bottom 10 of effective field goal percentage in any given year. How many of those teams have won a playoff series? Mm -hmm. The Grizzlies did it last year. And before that, you have to go back to ding, 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 Tom Thibodeau's 2014-15 Chicago Bulls, uh, who beat a Nets team that was just very, I mean, they had a lot of issues. Um, and that was also a different league uh, in 2014-15. And I didn't go back further than that. I don't know. Maybe you did. But like, yeah, it's not something that happens very often. Right. So the Knicks already are in a bit of an uphill battle because they are not an incredibly efficient team. They've been better since December 4th. They've been better since yep. the Josh Hart trade. But they are not what you would necessarily consider to be one that's efficient. I understand that Randall himself is not the most efficient. He's average or so in that area of, of efficiency. My concern, though, is because the playoffs, again, are a different animal. If they find a way, and they didn't do this the last game, mind you, but if Okora is healthy and they're able to trap Brunson, right, focus all of their energy, you're now talking about, okay, Grimes, who has been absolutely red hot in his first playoff series. You're talking about RJ Barrett, who has not had the best season, right? He's, he's, he has struggled at times when you hope he can turn it on in this, this series, but it's going to be tough. Uh, you have Obi, who is probably more focused on as a play finisher than he is maybe running an offense, right? Like Julius, you can have him as a focal point. You have Mitch who is in a similar boat and now you can mix and match, right? Like, okay, you bring in quickly. That helps. It helps a lot. You also need to consider that Josh Hart, he'll play hard. He does not have playoff experience. How much is that going to factor into things? Um, Hardenstein, he had playoff experience with the Clippers. That was important, but you're also missing a little bit. Not a ton, right? That's the thing. Like he, was, didn't, he didn't get a they, lot. Of they didn't time. get out of the play in last year, right? Uh, it's true, actually. So yeah, no, yeah. He, so, he, so then yeah, he didn't. Before right? that was, that's, yeah. it's like the it's purgatory of uh, <laughs> <or> the, <laughs> the medium <laughs> place for those who watch uh, um, the good place. So you're talking about players who are on the younger side, who are a little bit more inexperienced, and they're just not focal points that the defense is going to care quite as much about. And it's not doubting Brunson. It's actually believing that the Cavs can find a way to trap him, like I said, neutralize him more. That then leaves the other players being like, well, we we don't have enough creation. We don't maybe have enough pull-up offense. Because realistically, if the Knicks entered a playoff series with Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Toppin, and Robinson, you have one player, one player who can pull up and at a, at a not I mean, forget about elite level, at a good level. And that's Jalen Brunson. Grimes is a really good pull-up shooter in college. He has not been a good pull-up shooter in the not NBA. Not Grimes. Quick, so quickly right, is but, the but one I'm saying the, he's... But I'm saying the starting five. Oh, in the starting five, yeah. Right. Um, so, well, it's not about who starts, about who finishes, right? Of course, but you need to yeah. build a lead in order no, you're, you're to you're right. protect it. So you're right. Randall at least has that graph. He can pull up. There still will be some sort of respect there. The pace is going to be slower, 100%, but also the game slows down in the playoffs anyway. So 
that's why I don't feel as confident if Randall's not there. It's not doubting Obi. It's if anything, having faith in the team that's that should be favored. Rightfully so. They they have home court advantage, even with the regular season. It's not me doubting that the Knicks can win the series in general, right? I think they can still win the series in general. It's without Randall where I feel like we get a little bit ahead of ourselves. It feels a little bit more like the last time Knicks are in the playoffs where it's fine to be confident. I'm confident that the Knicks can win a playoff series. For sure. I don't want to be overconfident in the way that it was like, yeah, the Hawks just destroyed them. In the sense of like game five was it showed how far away the Knicks were. Yep. I just want to temper expectations in that sense. That's where I'm going with no. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with the spirit of literally every word that you're saying. Um, And to anyone who over the last, I guess, two and a half games has been like, see, see, see. And these are people who have perhaps not been in Julius Randle's camp, um, even as he's been having a very good year. You know, it's the notion of a Cavs team, which, again, is the best defense in the league. And for as much as I've joked with you before about the Okoro thing, it is relevant. That's relevant. And Jared Allen's absence was relevant. Incredibly relevant. Um, It affects what they are able to do on the offensive end, too, which is, again, that's kind of a separate discussion. But like that is a team that has won with its defense all year. And that is what they are most comfortable doing. And um, the fact that they didn't have two of their best defenders, like a, a thousand percent, it's relevant. If they are able to take away... And you're never going to take Jalen Brunson away completely. But if they are able to basically, if their game plan going into a series without Randall is like, that dude's not going to beat us, meaning Jalen Brunson. I think every Nick fan, including you, would have faith in the Emmanuel Quickleys and the Quentin Grimes and the RJ Barrett's of the world being able to produce in that setting. But to produce enough to generate four wins in seven games and the Knicks have not been a good home team. So you're probably going to need to win at least. And they've been a great road team, but so there's a flip side to that coin too. But like, that's a tall, that's a tall task. The reason I think that they can do it, that they can do it. And again, I'm going to, this is comes with a grain of salt because Julius Randle has been around for most of these games, but before the Josh Hart trade, you mentioned the effective field goal percentage thing. Before the Josh Hart trade, the Knicks were 25th in the league in effective field goal percentage, 52.6, ahead of um, the Pistons, the Heat, the Rockets, the Raptors, and the the Hornets. Since the Josh Hart trade, and I, I just I had not looked these numbers up until just now. I cannot believe this is as high as it is. They are fifth in effective field goal percentage in the league mm-hmm. behind only the Kings, the Mavs, the Bucks, the Clippers, and that is, and then they're in fifth. Um, all told, they are up to 19th um, on the year. Now, again, to your point, Julius Randle's been around for all but two and a half of, of those games, and it's a 23-game sample size. And I don't really care what the effective field goal percentage was against the Wizards. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure how much I care about the effective field goal, effective field goal percentage against the Cavs because Jalen Brunson was was going nuclear. Um, but like, I, I think, I think when you factor in that 
a, a series without Randall. We don't know when Julius is going to come back. And this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll kick it back to you. We don't know when Julius Randall is going to come back. My guess is that by the start of the series, or the, even probably before that, by what are the, the reevaluation re- is supposed to be Thursday, right? So two days before or three days before the playoffs start. I bet you they're going to have an idea well beforehand if this is a game or if this is two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. And I also would wager that the man who is married to an object that says Spalding on it or Wilson on it or whatever it is, has been doing nothing in his spare time other than how are we going to attack this Cleveland team if we have to do it without Julius Randle? And to some people, that may be a horrifying thought. For someone like me, who has been in Thibodeau's camp, obviously, that is an encouraging thought. I think if given time, I think he will be able to come up with a way such that it doesn't have to fall all on Quickly's shoulders or Grimes' shoulders or RJ's shoulders, and that they will re- they will kind of rejigger what they need to rejigger to make it such that a non-Randall-centric offense can be successful and everybody hopefully gets in. I still have my fears, but if the question is, can they do it? I think they can do it. I would still pick Cleveland if, if Randall wasn't going to play. Just I'll just end with that. So you would pick Cleveland? I would if- pick Cleveland, but, but the question is, can they? And I do believe they can. Oh, oh well, I'm, okay. If we are operating on purely can, then sure. Okay, let me... Possible. Okay, hold on. I, I would give it more like a 30-40% chance that they can. That's where I would be at. Okay. Without well, a couple of things. Um, the efficiency stat you just listed in terms of where they are fifth since that Josh Hart trade yeah. is the driving factor for why I do feel confident about the Knicks being able to go into the playoffs, right? If okay. they, like It's one thing to say, and this is true, we just talked about how the Grizzlies, in terms of where they're at, and you have to go all the way back to Tibbs uh, yep. before, like that's that's all important. It's also important, as we're talking about, that to say, well, this is a new team compared to what they were before. They've adapted. They've gotten better. So I feel better about that. Uh, for those who also might be thinking, look, Dallas last year, they were missing Luka Doncic for most of that first round. J- Jalen Brunson found a way to beat a Donovan Mitchell team. The difference, of course, there is that the Jazz had an elite defender in Rudy Gobert and no one else. And yeah. the Cavs have defense. an elite rim protector in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And that changes the complexity of everything, right? Like you can, you could park one closer to the rim. You can also have Evan Mobley more on the wing. Like we'll see if they do any switching. So that's where having another offensive threat like Randall comes into the fold and how important that is, where if you can also park him further outside, like if Obi's playing, it's not that he can't hit above the break threes. He can. They just don't really want like that. That's something they live with. If that, it's Randall, it's yeah. okay. Well, this guy can pull up. He can drive past you. They can do some sort of pick and roll action. There's so many different ways that the game opens up and opens up for the Knicks and it helps them completely. So yes. Do I think there is a chance that the Knicks without Julius Randall could beat the Cavs? Of course I do. So what I'll jump in with what Andrew says here. What, who, what odds would you need to pick the Knicks? What, what, what would the betting odds be? Betting odds? Um, Plus, plus six hundred. I, I, I it, well, no, that's way too much. I'm sorry. That's that's I was, yeah. That's like uh, no, no, no. I, I would go with plus two fifty. Oh, okay, right? Because like I, I think that 
right now, if you have everyone healthy on both sides, you probably the Cavs, I'd lean like minus 140, minus 150. I think these teams are very evenly matched, but the Cavs okay. deserve to be considered the favorites. Um, just based on net rating one, and a home. I go plus 175 without Randall, and I think I'd go, I don't know, plus 110 or something well, with Randall. I hope that we don't have to see either of these things come about because it means Julius Randall's healthy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and look, let's just acknowledge for as much as what I said a minute ago about like everybody out there who is celebrating how the Knicks are playing without Randall. There is absolutely a part of me that wonders like, because again, we do, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, Julius Randall in the games leading up to when he got injured was looking not, not great, Bob. Um, so this is good rest for whatever it's, it's worth. well, but what, but it, then it gets into why was it because he was tired? Was it because there was something going haywire above the above the neck area? Um, yeah. Anyway, either way, it gives him physical and mental. Time it gives him yes, it, and let's and let us hope that that is what he needs. And um, when he comes back, uh, we we can you know have our cake and eat it too. Reintroducing Julius into an offense that has clearly found a nice groove um without him and Quentin Grimes is getting a lot of shots and Emmanuel Quickly is getting a lot of shots and and the whole thing. Okay. Um let's move on. That was the uh, by the way I should have said at the top. That was the personal injury report presented by our good friends at Weiss and Rosenblum. Do not forget if you think you may have a case call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Consultations are absolutely free. If you think you might have a case, just give them a call and they will talk to you and they will let you know if you do or you don't. Um, of course, if they take your case, they don't get paid unless you do. Once more, 212-366-6100. Prior results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Um, I just thought of prior results do not guarantee future outcomes should apply to this season's uh Next Cavs matchup. We we should also just say briefly, uh, RJ Barrett. uh, We haven't heard anything about what's the status of his illness. Um, Are you are you concerned about RJ Barrett moving forward? It's a loaded question. Okay, you know what? Forget I asked it. Let's move on. I don't want illness. I don't want to soon. Yeah, I don't want to get into an RJ thing. Although I'd be lying if I said. uh, well, let's save let's save this for when we do some version of biggest question marks heading into the playoffs uh, in a week or two, because um, I'm sure RJ is going to is going to prominently figure into uh, that discussion. OK, the playoff race um, is over because we're in, but we do have some games left to play. <laughs> uh, the Knicks uh, on Wednesday go into Indiana, an Indiana team that uh, has, I think, Halliburton has sat nine of the last 11 games and Rick Carlisle has spoken openly about how they might not him and miles Turner, who's also been sitting might not play again this season. Um, I will see they've still been playing teams hard um, and, and been involved in a lot of competitive games. They beat Oklahoma city recently in a game. Oklahoma city theoretically wanted to win. Um, and then the Knicks go to new Orleans, who is playing uh, as well as any team in the league right now, um, even without Zion Williamson, who I guess, 
eventually we'll play basketball again at some point. Uh, and then they finish the season against Indiana in a game that will hopefully mean nothing. I hope none of these games mean anything that I just mentioned, because if the Brooklyn Nets lose, um, I guess tonight, as you were hearing this to the Minnesota Timberwolves, that's it. The race for fifth is over because uh, it keeps basically even if the Knicks lost out and the Nets won out, if they lost to Minnesota, it would kick to a tiebreaker that is decided by record against playoff teams within your conference. And the Knicks are going to win that tiebreaker regardless of what happens the rest of the season. Um, But for posterity's sake, the Brooklyn Nets, after they face Minnesota at home, they go to Detroit, then they face Orlando, and then they face Philly in the season finale for a Sixers team that that game is in all likelihood not going to mean anything. So there is a very, very strong possibility, to me at least, that if the Nets beat the Wolves, and again, the Wolves are coming off their three straight losses. They lost an unconscionable game to the uh, Portland Trailblazers the other night. Um, if they win that Wolves game at home, like the Knicks are going to have to get a win somewhere here. So like, I, it's weird to say, but to me, given how well New Orleans is playing, um, there's kind of an awful lot of pressure then that gets put on the Knicks in Indiana on Wednesday night. Are you, do you agree or disagree? Sure. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to want to win one of these. I, I would hope as you're saying that the wolves are able to take care of business. It's also, it's hard thinking about the wolves loss that happened to the Knicks because of the fact that if the Knicks had won that game and the outcomes that we had seen since then played out the same way. Yeah. The Mavs are a little bit closer to catching them. Yeah. And you don't have to probably hope for, ping pong balls from the teams that are the 11th to the 14th worst to rise. So the Mavs pick gets pushed back with that said, I would love to just go into this week with everything wrapped up. Knicks just play Daquan Jeffries 40 minutes. Oh my God, please. Trevor Keels, give him 35. I, I, I just, I would love to see that. So we'll see, you know, the nets also have something at stake here. A lot to play for. I think Nas Nas Reed not being with the Wolves, that's going to be a, a bit of a factor for them too. Yeah, he's not a coincidence. That I think they've lost three straight. I think since his injury happened, right? Yes, yeah. and this is at home. You know, the Nets went into Minnesota and had an impressive win when the Wolves were playing better basketball. Certainly, so what? this is one of the rare times. The last game against the Jazz, especially with the Mavs agenda, was one of them where. I'm going to be rooting for the Nets to win a game. I know that sounds weird for a lot of fans. Uh, maybe I should rephrase it as I'm going to be rooting. Wait, what do you mean you're rooting? I'm sorry. I'm, no, well, no, I'm, I'm getting it mixed You're up. rooting for the Wolves to win. I'm rooting for the Wolves to win. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got to make sure. Up. Okay. It's because I'm still in the mode of, oh, I'm looking for the Jazz to lose There's, against yeah. the Nets. Yeah, I got Which you. they just barely did. Doesn't seem to matter. But yes, let me restate that. Nice. I am rooting for the Wolves to win, but I am concerned that they will not. I the only thing I'll say, and I hope these are not famous last words. I don't, I don't think the Knicks are going to have to worry about a let in terms of their their energy or their focus level coming out in Indiana if they do need that game to clinch. I'm not. I think they will come out with the requisite focus and and attention to detail and all all of those sorts of things. Okay. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. 
Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and Protein Plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first buy. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, let's move on. Let's give out. Uh, we're going to give out a couple game balls because there's no detention this week because uh, they went undefeated. So um, I will read off the candidates and then I will go first since I am the one picking first this week, as I say smugly. Uh, okay. Quentin Grimes, 26 and four this week, is up to 38.1% shooting from three this season. Emmanuel quickly was a uh, player of the week candidate in the Eastern Conference, 25, three and six this week, um, 17, four. Oh, this is since in the 48 games since uh, December 20th. Uh, good job, Andrew, pulling this stat. 17, four and four on 47% overall, 39% from three, 80% from the line. That's uh, pretty good. Jalen Brunson, also player of the week candidate this week, uh, 29, three and seven. And then uh, this season overall, 24, four and six on, um, he's not going to get to 50, 40, 90, 49% from the field and only 83% from uh, the f- free throw line, but uh, made a good run at it. Uh, and then last three candidates, Obi Toppin, season high, 21 points. Um, in games, he plays more than 25 minutes. This is per XJ. 19 points, six rebounds, two assists, one block, and one steal. Those are pretty good numbers. Um, and then we just got, I think, an extra candidate. Isaiah Hardenstein. <laughs> I'm going to read what Andrew has here. <laughs> Forgot to write something, but he's really good. Um, I think he leads the league in plus minus since the All-Star break. I'm going to I'm going to steal Something a stat from my my Tuesday newsletter. Uh, it's a it's a good one. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, first Knicks coach to take to the Knicks to the playoffs twice in two full seasons as head coach since Jeff Van Gundy, um, because Mike Woodson only coached he goes 24 games that that uh, mm-hmm. the insanity year, and then the entire Knicks front office collective effort, drafting, signing, acquiring, and culminating the best version of the Knicks since 2013 and possibly even 2000. Okay, my pick first. I'm going to go with Quentin Grimes. Um, I'm going to go with Quentin Grimes because uh, I did a, I found that dug this up um, after the Wizards game. Uh, I looked up how many players this season are 
uh, attempting at least five threes per game and are shooting at least 38% from deep. And I think there are 30 some odd players in the entire league who are doing that, who qualify for whatever the requisite, um, you know, leader awards are that they should show up in these statistical searches. And there's 11 teams that have multiple guys. There's, a, I think, a few, there's a team, I think, that has like three guys. I'm pretty sure the Celtics might have four. There's a team out there, maybe it's the Warriors that have four, but there's someone that has four. But like, these guys grow on trees nowadays. I mean, 30 something is still not a large number, but it's like a decent sized number. And the Knicks only have Quentin Grimes. And I think it underscores his importance specifically to the starting lineup, but to the team as a whole and how his shooting when it is on um, really is a, I mean, you could go say this about 10 different things, 10 different guys, players and 10 different skill sets, but like really is such a difference maker. Um, And again, this kind of goes into the fact that his last six games in which he's averaged over 20 points over the last six games. I know we're only talking about this week, but a lot of those games have come with one of the Knicks bigger players out. So, you know, moving forward, you're looking at what he's doing and you're like, man, it would be great if he could continue this volume because he's a guy that seems to, to be better when he gets more shots. It's crazy. Right. Um, you know, and I'm not I'm not throwing shade at Tibbs. He's got there's a lot of mouths to feed when this team is fully healthy. But just maybe this is more of a summer discussion. But yeah, so it's easy, easy first game ball for me for Quentin Grimes. I think one thing to add with Grimes that I'm really encouraged by as well is in his rookie season, he drove under one time per game. Um, and he like his points percentage, which the team scoring off of those drives was under 24 percent. This season, he's driving three and a half times per game, and the points percentage is 45.8. So there's some growth here. There's some legitimate ability for him to be more than just a lower usage catch and shoot guy. Like he can create more, he can do so much more. And again, that's why I think back to, you know, two years ago in the playoffs, where one of the most glaring holes was Reggie mm-hmm. Bullock is a great catch yep. and shoot player. Have him do something with the ball, you're going to be in trouble. I just like that one drive. You know, the one I'm talking about where he turned it over in Atlanta. Oh, I know. Like it lives rent free in my mind. Grimes has to slow it down a bit, right? You go slow to go fast, but I feel so much more confident that he has the ability to just keep that in mind as he's growing and second year player, man. Right. Like even as an older rookie, right? Like he last year, you could see it click and you're seeing it again this year. And it's just like, man, you, I'd love to see the Knicks have another player who just hits that third year breakout season. In addition to someone like Emmanuel quickly that we saw this year. So there's just a lot. There's a lot to go with there. I'm really excited that he'll have the opportunity to get his first playoff series. And, but there's more to him than what he's been able to showcase this summer. Really hope he works on the pull-up game. That'll be incredibly important. And like I said, did in college, did it really well uh, for that one year at Houston. Just, just high volume and, great points per possession. So as long as he can keep doing that, he's on the right track. I think he's a logical candidate to be uh, your first game ball. And he's a worker. So, you know, he's going to work on it this summer. Um, who's your first game ball going to? So are we doing snake essentially where, where I would pick first into attention? <laughs> no. What do you no, mean? No. You, 
Screw I you. Go, I go. No, give no, your... no, 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 no. The way that we do it is the the person gets the game ball, gets the first choice, and then the person who lost that week gets the second choice, and then the person who lost that week gets the first pick of detention, and the person who won the game ball gets the second one. So he's right, by the way, yeah. John. He's right, right. in this so who, case. Who picks you now? I Jeremy does. And Jeremy pick picks, again, and then you pick. You get Fine. to bring us home. Wait, fine. These are the rules. Make, make, making up the rules. Oh, I'm so smug. I won are. the game ball. I don't like the rules that come with it. <laughs> All right. My first no, choice of the next two. Um, oh, is that? <laughs> I, and so it's fine because I have a feeling I'm yeah. still going to get my guy, but that's keep going. I mean, that, that's okay. I'm going to go with Emmanuel quickly. Okay. Um, fine choice. Yes. I think, I, listen, the way that he was also able to score 40 points, career high against Houston. We don't have to talk about the opponent in order to put down the performance that Emmanuel quickly had. Still got to score 40 points. That's that's still an impressive thing to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, just everything. I mean, even even the, the season-long stats, the last 48 games, the fact that Zach Lowe is saying to our own Chris Persian how incredible it is that he's able to... The sixth man is essentially locked up. Like We've come a long way to the point where it's someone who was the 25th pick overall. Back-to-back players, mind you. That we're talking about 25th pick overall, which lends credence to the front office choice. They're not going to be my second game ball, but how well they have found players in spots that you really probably don't find starting caliber players. And the Knicks have, and it's just, it's just so lovely to see that with quick. I'm, I'm thrilled for him hoping he has a solid three games. So he ends it on a high note for anyone who had a doubt about what he could do and why he should be the sixth man of the year. Uh, he's going to have my first game ball and uh, you're not going to pick the second game ball. So it's fine because I'm going to pick the second game ball and giving it to one. Obi Toppin. Okay. So Happy we talk. Did. Yeah. We talk a lot about the idea of, of Obi Toppin, who he is, what he brings to the table. I've never felt comfortable with Obi Toppin is the role that he happens to be confined to with a healthy Randall, right? It just never felt, and it just didn't feel authentic because it's not a doubting of talent. It's just like it, we know he can do this sort of thing. We can talk about the fact that, yeah, is it as the season winds down against a team like Washington or against the skeleton crew in Toronto last year or against Toronto? Yes, we can talk about this. But same, same thing with IQ and the Rockets. You still need to be able to produce that. You can't just walk off the bench and score what? I think Obi had over 40, right? Yeah, he finished last season, I think, at 42. Right. So, there's something to be said about that, but I a reason I actually want to talk about Obi Toppin as well is I I want to talk about a moment that I happened to see that a lot of people did not get to see. So uh, first of all, I want to give a very special shout out to he's a listener to the pod, a diehard fan since the late '60s, seen a thousand games. Same as Larry, and Larry was kind enough to invite me to not one but two of the games this week: the Heat game and the Wizards game. Incredibly kind of him, and. What happened was Randall got hurt, right, in the heat game. And from the vantage point of where we were sitting, all eyes were on Randall. And for whatever reason, in my mind, I was saying, don't look at Randall. Look at the bench. Go look at Obi. And I'm looking at Obi. And first and foremost, everyone is trying to see if Randall's okay. Mm-hmm. And I probably cut to commercial, I would imagine. Everyone's quiet. Did it cut to commercial? Yeah. When he was hurt? For sure. Yes. So... It's just a hush everywhere. People shouting, you know, we love you and MVP. This like that sort of thing. And he takes free throws, intentional foul. He leaves. As that's happening, 
the logical choice, and I think a lot of people's minds would be, okay, Obi Toppin's going to come into the game. Do you remember what happened when Randall I don't, subbed actually. out? So what happened was that RJ subbed into the game for Randall. And at that point, RJ had had one of the most disgusting halves oh, I've ever yeah. seen from RJ yep. Barrett. But it was how it transpired where Obi Toppin was sitting at the end of the bench and he shot up and he's excited to get in the game. And Tibbs met, uh, motions for RJ to come in. And Obi, seeing RJ then walk into the bench, actually jumped up, right? He jumps in the air a couple times and goes back to his seat. And he's turning then to talk to the second row bench, you know, the coaching staff who's on the second row. And they're talking about it. And he's at the very end of the bench, towel over his head. No one's sitting next to him. Mitch sitting into the seat next to the empty seat. Okay. And he's he's not really sulking but he's he's like clearly processing it and mitch actually recognizes that and he puts his hand out and he kind of just like gives him a a pat just like a reassuring touch and to me it was fascinating because we always see obi as like the first player to come off the bench he's completely selfless right whenever there's a big dunk i think of him as the number one cheerleader for the team yep and it was just almost like seeing like an actor breaking character Mm. Where in that one moment, yeah, yeah. I I felt for him. I really did. And granted, he got to play. It's hard not he started, to. He started in the second half, played the entire second half against the Wizards, yep. and he did good work. Uh, and it was also really cute because he there was a kid sitting very close to behind the Knicks bench, and he noticed the kid and tossed him a towel. Made the kid's life probably at worst his year, at best his life. And I want to root for good people, and I want to root for good players. And so seeing Obi as defeated as he was with a tough season, you know, obviously a big part, big part of that is because of his inability to play well in the half court and ability to finish at the rim um, and just having to be the backup to an all NBA player who he doesn't really compliment. It's tough. And I really felt for him. So it was awesome to see someone like him be able to have that performance. And uh, I was just very happy for him. I don't know where he's going to be next year, I don't know if it's going to be here. I don't know if it's going to be elsewhere. Just happy he's had this moment right now. Very well said. Um, yeah, uh, just very well said. Um, he's a he's clearly a good dude. And I think everybody, whether you feel that the discussion has been completely warranted or whether you feel it's over the top because maybe he doesn't warrant the the uh, amount of you know calls for more playing time that he gets or anywhere in between like how do you not love the kid um so yeah i mean i it's it's all wrapped up together because like randall's out and for as long as randall's out obi's going to keep getting this chance and um it's exciting at the very least uh i don't know if it's if it's you know in the best interest of the team that randall's not there but um, it's cool to see Obi get to do his thing. All right. Uh, I have another game ball to give out. I'm going to give it to Isaiah Hardenstein for one very simple reason. His game against the Cavs was the best game I have seen all year from a Nick that I was not able to give the three-star performance to for for that individual game. Or actually, I gave stars for the whole weekend as a whole. But like, who was not clearly the best Nick in, in that game? I thought he his energy... Um, his defense, um, everything about what he did. I, I just, I was like absolutely blown away and 
kind of similar in your spirit of like rooting for Obi. We were all we all couldn't wait to get Isaiah Arnstein out of town earlier this year because we he was not playing well and we didn't know that he was um hurt. And um dude never sat out. Not once. Been eleven players in the NBA this year that have played in every game that they could play in. He's been one of them. And that is incredibly impressive. And uh, you know, even even after the game against the Wizards where he was being interviewed and uh, shout out to New York basketball on Twitter, they, they have the, he put out the clip of like top him or Hardenstein talking about him and Mitch's minutes. And he was like, yeah, actually I, I wasn't as good as Mitch today, you know? So like that sounds like a small thing, but there's, it's actually rare that you're, you hear a player acknowledge like, Hey, the guy I, I who plays my position was better and he should have, he should have played more minutes than me today. Just seems like a really cool guy, and um, he was awesome against the Cavs. They don't win that game against Cleveland without him, so he gets my second game ball. It's fair. I think an understated thing as well about Hartenstein, and I think you could say this for a, a decent amount of the players who are who fit in this category, him having a parent who was a professional athlete, I'm sure yeah, that cool. was really important for him growing up about just how difficult it is. Same, same with RJ, right? I mean... And, just, and Brunson. And Brunson. Yep. There is just a different speed to them and a willingness to sacrifice and to recognize. Maybe I don't have it tonight, but someone else does. As long as the team wins, that's the most important thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, can, I give, can I give you a quick game ball, by the way? Me? What did I do? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't something you did. It was something that someone else did. If there were, If I had to put money down on the person most likely to have their Twitter account hacked, it would have a thousand percent, at least with Nick's film school, it would have been you. It would have definitely been you, but it wasn't. It was, it was a future guest, Fred Katz. Yeah. Good thing that you're uh, you have a log cabin where you don't have any internet. You don't have to click on any links. Thankfully. So kudos to you. Thank you, sir. Um, okay, here we go for all the marbles. The final predictions of the regular season. Um, I don't know how this is going to work in terms of like do predictions go on through the playoffs? I I, I guess also, we'll decide. Could also just call it a tie. No. Tiebreaker is the first round. Now, Knicks get to the second round, then it could end in a tie. But yes. Okay. Well, either way, I have to win this week to get to the tiebreaker, right? Correct. So, with that, uh, at Indiana, at New Orleans, and finally against the the Pacers, um, I've been thinking about this. Um, I don't feel great about my... I don't feel great about either choice. Um... That I, I think there are two realistic choices, um, but I am going to go with two and one. Um, not that the Knicks can't end the season on a seven game winning streak. I think they certainly can. But I was thinking to myself, if I pick two and one, is there at least a small inch, an inch of Jeremy Cohen that would think about going one and two? I don't think he will. But the fact that I even had to ask that question, um, made this an easier choice for me. So I yeah. went two and one. It's the surprise of the century that you went two and one, believing that they will beat the skeleton crews of the Pacers and lose to the red hot New Orleans Pelicans. I'm, or, I'm shocked. Shocked. Or or I mean listen, crazy maybe they I don't know, maybe they lose Wednesday and then they win the last two. Maybe they lose Wednesday and or maybe they beat win Wednesday, win Friday and then lose the last game. You know crazier things. Crazier things have happened. Speed which John, I'm going one and two. There you go. So here's the reason why. It's not because I doubt that the Knicks can go on a seven-game winning streak. I think they can. 
I'm going to take a page out of your book, which was I'm going to mush the team so they get three no. Did my time, like mush attempt like end no. up backfiring that it was reverse reverse mush or something? I don't know. Yeah, but that's but no no I, you won that week. They went zero and three, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. You said one and two. I said two and one. So I think you may have just sealed their fate to get the six seed inadvertently. I don't know. Well, I don't think it's going to happen either way. Look, they either look. I would have picked two and one. They either go three and zero. Doesn't matter. They go two and one, and I would have picked that anyway. Or they go one and two or worse, and we'll see. I don't think it's crazy. I'll say that. I don't think it's crazy. Um, Again, I thought. I thought like. By picking two and one, I'm like, huh, I think he's he may pick two and one, one and two. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I hope I win it because it would be cool to see this team end up with a nice, something nice and nice round 48 wins. I like that. That sounds a nice yeah. ring to it. And I still um, will be robbed of my first week, but we won't have to talk about it again until I bring never, it up. You're never going to let me forget that. Because I was robbed. I should have won. I should be the winner right now. It's just ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, I would have uh, I would have had what 13 we're at 12 11 right now or 11 and yeah. 10 I would have had 12 you got only God knows the, the answer <sighs> killing all I have to say yeah God uh, knows the answer because I had it was one and one whatever whatever we, we have some announcements um Andrew you want to come up here for the announcements so I'll just I'll do it. okay uh here's what's going on for this week, Andrew, fill in any blanks that I miss. Deal. Uh, dream draft rules. I did everything around me with the one and only Chris Percy Einan Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Uh, check that out on the next film school YouTube channel. And um, it'll be available, obviously, on podcast afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, a CBA pod that myself and Mr. Cohen are about to record in a few minutes is going to be on your feed at noon today. So you're getting a second episode dropping in um, in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Fred Katz is coming on the pod, as Jeremy just mentioned. Um, that is dropping uh, midnight Tuesday into Wednesday. So we got you covered um, for a bunch. Wait one success. Uh, my daughter's about to go to bed. So I'm going to speed through these. Pre-game pod with the one and only Kaylin Cooper. Wednesday at 6 a.m. That is dropping. That's going to be with Andrew. I'm so excited to listen to that. Kaylin Cooper is just continues to blow mm-hmm. up. And there's literally no one out there in content creation who deserves it more. And then uh, final playback of the season Wednesday uh, patrons, make sure you join us for that. And if you want to become a patron, become a patron. And finally, last but not least, the most important thing, drum roll, please. Happy birthday to Jeremy Cohen. Hey, the coincidence. Happy Thank birthday, you. buddy. Thank you guys. Who is the most famous person born on your birthday? <laughs> We did this last year, didn't we? We did this three years ago, is what we did. I've been doing this podcast for a long time. That's what? All right. Well, I'd say it's probably someone like Robert Downey Jr., Maya Angelou, or Jamie Lynn Spears. One of the three. Heath Ledger was right. And Heath Ledger. Yes. Yes. Jamie Lynn Spears is my answer. Um, Happy birthday, Buzz. Your answer last time. Thank you. I'm glad the Knicks got you a playoff berth for your birthday. I agree. It was a very nice present. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, uh, again, you'll hear us on another pod uh, about the new CBA um, in a little bit. But other than that, um, thanks for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We'll be back with more fun and games very soon. Till then, take care.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.